and stand with me for the reading of God's word. And I give all that preference to say, we're going to talk about worship today. We're going to talk about singing to the Lord today. And as I was talking to our worship intern, Chase, again, who leads on Sunday, most Sundays, uh, we said, well, what if we shifted our worship and song uh, towards the end of the service, after the sermon, after we've talked about worship, let our response to what we have talked about today be worship in song after the sermon. So that's what we're going to do. So a little bit of a change up there, I know, but uh, let's see what God would do. 2 Samuel chapter 22, first four verses. We read, David sang to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. He said, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation. Horn represented strength. If you think of an animal that has a horn, what does the animal do with that horn? It uses its strength and the horn that God has given it to protect and win the battle. And so David here is saying, God is the strength. Of my, sal- of my salvation. He is my stronghold, my refuge, my savior. From violent people you save me. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise and have been saved from my enemies. I want to pause for just a moment and read this verse again to you in a different translation. And I want you to just do something, follow along with me. Just Put your finger in the Bible, close it, close your eyes, and just listen to these words. Sometimes just listening to God's word can be a powerful thing. Listen to it in a different translation. Listen to the message as it reads. David prayed to God the words of this song after God saved him from all his enemies and from Saul. God is bedrock under my feet, the castle in which I live. My rescuing night. My God, the high crag where I run for dear life, hiding behind the boulder, safe in the granite hideout. My mountaintop refuge. He saves me from ruthless men, and I sing praise to God who is praiseworthy and find myself safe and saved. It's the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Well, we do have Kingdom Kids today, and we're on that summer schedule where they're meeting every other week. So Kingdom Kids, those who are second grade through fourth, or uh, excuse me, four years old through second grade, are going to be right over here with our Kingdom Kids workers. As many of you know by now, they're going to head over to the uh, Christian Life Center, the CLC, and they're going to meet in the upstairs classroom. And so parents, you can pick them up right next door after service today. Just keep in mind the doors are locked, so you'll have to ring the bell to get in. And there they go, ready to have some fun. It's a chance for them to learn and worship at their level, and so we're grateful for our Kingdom Kids workers and helpers, and they're going to have a wonderful time today. Uh, I was joking earlier about, um, and it's not really, I'm actually pretty serious about it, the song I sing the most. Does anybody want to venture a guess? Song I, I sing the most. Okay. You will never guess. 
I will tell you, is Jesus Take the Wheel by Carrie Underwood. And I don't know the song at all. I just know the phrase, Jesus Take the Wheel. And I sing it at least once a day because I have children. You know what I'm saying? And stuff happens. And it's good just to say, Jesus, take the wheel. You know what I mean? For every season of life, there is a song. For every season of life, there is a song. Let me just address the elephant in the room. I understand not everybody's musical. Not everybody can sing, you know, the right note. Not everybody loves music the way maybe someone else loves music. And that's okay. That's okay. For some people, music's a huge deal. It's a very important part of your life. And for others, music is just something you enjoy now and then, and that's all right. But often when I think of worship, I think about this fact that God created music. He created notes. He created the ability for them to blend and make a beautiful sound that resonates with us deeply. And that music can be connected to a message that is true. It can also be connected to messages that aren't true, right? But that medium of music, when it's put to truth, and that becomes a part of our lives, it can be a very powerful thing. Even if it's not your go-to, even if it's not a super important part of your life, it can still be a powerful thing that God uses. The beauty of the music and the truth of the message can be a powerful element in our life with God. And it can be powerful in any season of life. For every season of life, there is a song. One of the really neat things about David, and and part of what I'm thinking here is that, you know, uh, sometimes as guys, we may like music, but we're not going to sing. You know, that's kind of not not necessarily a manly thing. I I don't think that's true. I'm just saying sometimes you might think that. Again, I'm not saying it's true. One of the ways I know it's not true is because there's no manlier man in the Bible than David except for Jesus, right? David is a warrior king. And guess what else he is? He's a poet musician. He, he writes songs. He sings songs. And so there's, there's really no real merit to the idea that as men, you know, it would be effeminate to sing. That's not true. It's a very manly thing to sing. I just want to point that out. But what David does here is he, he, he sings in victory. When he has gone through all that he's gone through, and he sees the victory that God has given him, his natural response is to sing. Because for every season of life, there is a song. Now, you may be thinking, well, yeah, it's easy to sing when things are going well. When you've got victory, when God's won your battles, when your arch enemies have been defeated, when the king that you've served that wanted you dead is now in the grave himself, sure, it's, it's easy to sing then. In 2 Samuel 22, is that song for David. But that's not the only time he sang. For every season of life, there is a song. Last week, we talked about David being in trouble. If you remember, if you were here, uh, we talked about how David's son uh, sought to remove him from the throne, which he was successful in doing for a time, and also wanted him dead, his very own son. Uh, David survived that, and in the midst of that turmoil, 
Not after the fact, but right in the middle of his son sitting on his throne as David is running for his life. When David hears that his most trusted advisor has joined ranks with his son against him, Psalm 3 is the song that he sings. For every season of life, there is a song. So you say, well, yeah, you can sing when there's victory. And who doesn't sing when there's blues? There's a whole category for that. It's called the blues. Yeah, that's kind of obvious. But David also sings when sin has nearly destroyed his life. If you remember just two weeks ago, we talked about David's great sin against Bathsheba and her husband Uriah. He slept with her and tried to cover his tracks, which ultimately led to the death of an innocent man, Bathsheba's husband Uriah. David's confronted with this reality by the prophet Nathan. What does David do? David sings a song. We saw that. We read through that psalm together, Psalm 51. For every season of life, there is a song. When there is victory, there, there is a song for that. When there, is, when there is defeat, there is a song for that. And when there is contrition, heart broken over our own sin, there is a song for that. In fact, that's what the psalms are in the Bible. You know, when you, you turn your Bible open to the middle and you hit the Psalms. And it's 150 chapters of songs that cover the emotional experience of any human person that's ever lived. It is incredibly uh, timely even today. You read it and you hear all the things you and I experience today. In fact, I was just reading, uh, because we're in the Psalms in our Bible reading plan uh, that we're going through as a church family. And I was reading the part where the psalmist says, God, wake up. And I was talking to my son about that. I said, you ever feel like God's not listening? You ever feel like he's not there? Does it ever seem like God's sleeping on you? That he's ignoring you? You ever feel that way? Most of us would say, yes, guess what? There's a song for that. Just... Just every human experience we could have, God has put in the Bible, in the Psalms, and elsewhere, a song for that experience that we may be going through. Because God knows that he can link together the beauty of music with the truth of a message that can powerfully impact our life. In the highs of life and in the lows of life, God can use music and song with transformative effect. So we are told, we are commanded to sing. Which is kind of an interesting thing. Because what do we do? We sing when we feel like it, right? When we feel we're in that mood. And we're in the car, and we crank the music, and we play the songs we know, and we sing. We're in the shower, we put on our Bluetooth speaker, and we listen to the songs we like, and we sing, right? We show up to church, and the songs that we like, we sing. We sing when we feel like it, but did you know the Bible actually, it commands us to sing. And for every season of life, there is a song to sing. 
And God says, you need this. You need this beautiful music and the truth of the message behind the beautiful music so that the highs can be higher and the lows can be survivable. And in your sin, you can be comforted. And in your worries, hope can arise. For every season of life, there is a song. So God says in Psalm 98, 4 through 6, through the pen of the psalmist, he says, shout, to, shout for joy to the Lord. All the earth burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp. And with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Almost the entirety of Psalm 100 is about this. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. And again in Samuel 22, verse 4, I sing to the God who is praiseworthy. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise. The Bible commands us to sing. Not because God is in any way egotistical. If there was any being that deserves to be worshipped, it is God. We know that. And I don't think God commands us to sing only because he's worthy of our worship. I think he also commands us to sing because he knows we need the song in our heart. We need the beauty of the music and the truth of the message to be sung. That it gets deep inside of us in a way that, let's be honest, a sermon cannot. We were, I was making this point uh, with our interns the other day. I said, how many points of my sermons over the years can you remember? And like you, their answer was none. Okay, let's be honest about it, right? But how many, how much, how many songs could you sing right now? A song is a three- to five-minute sermon that you remember. And God knows you need to remember it. That's why he gives us the messages of truth through the beauty of music, so that it can get embedded in our hearts. So in moments, it's not just, you know, Jesus, take the wheel, but it's amazing grace. Or whatever song that God has used to make a difference in your life. So God commands us to sing because he knows it's good for us. And don't misunderstand me, he commands us to sing because he's worthy of that worship. That is true. But he also commands us to sing because he knows we need it. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you three ideas that I think could be helpful for you when it comes to allowing worship through song to deeply impact your life. Some of these you're already doing if you're the musical type, and if not, maybe there's something in here that might spark your interest, okay? The first one is, as I've already mentioned, the Psalms is the songbook of God's people. It's also called the prayer book. Prayers and songs go together. What is a song? It's not only a three to five minute sermon, but a song is also a prayer. It's a conversation with God. And so the Psalms, the book in the Bible, is 150 songs written to God by God's people. And like I said, they match every human experience and emotion that you and I go through today, even though it was written thousands of years ago. Think about the season of life you're in. For every season, there is a song. What season of life are you in? 
could be a trying time, could be a joyous time, could be a time where you're struggling with sin, could be a time of victory over sin, over the challenges that the enemy has brought into your life. What season are you in? And then find the Psalms that speak to that season and read them. Read them again. Study them. Get a study Bible or a commentary and really try to understand what that psalm is all about. Go beneath the surface and really study it. And once you've read it and you've reread it and you've studied it, start to memorize it. Just like you memorize the songs that we sing in the congregation as a congregation, memorize the songs that God's people sing, the psalms themselves. You say, well, I don't know where to begin. Begin with what you're going through and just open up a Google search bar and put in sad psalms, S-A-M-L-S, happy psalms, angry psalms, right? I promise you'll find something. And keep looking, keep digging, and you will come across a psalm or two or more that speaks to your season of life. And then read it, reread it, study it, memorize it. Say, I can't memorize a whole psalm. Find a verse within that psalm that God specifically points out to you. You're drawn to that verse. May not even be a whole verse. Memorize that. Start there. You can do that. And then memorize the verse and before and after it. And over time, give it a chance. And see, what will happen is when you get in that season of life, when you're dealing with those struggles, or we're on those highs, you have a chance to deepen the experience of joy. And to work through the experience of suffering with the help of God through that psalm, which is a song. So that's one idea. The second idea is modern Christians have come up with new songs, praise and worship songs. And for the last couple thousand years, God's people have written songs. Some of them have become classic hymns to us. Find those hymns, find those praise and worship songs that speak to you about the season of life you're in and make a playlist and listen to those. If you don't know how to do that, ask someone who does. There's plenty of people around that can help you figure out how to make a playlist if you're unsure how to do it. They may even be, be able to burn a CD for you if you remember what those are. Now, if you go back before that and you try to make a tape, that may not work out, all right? But you could probably figure something out and allow that music that speaks to your season of life to just be the playlist that you listen to when you go down the road, when you're in the shower, when you're doing chores, when you wake up in the morning. Listen to those hymns and praise and worship songs that speak to your season of life and let them shape and form you. God will use those three to five minute sermons to impact you in a deep and profound way. Now, let me say, not all hymns are biblical. Not all praise and worship songs are biblical. The whole thing with music is not just that it's got a catchy beat. It's the beauty of music set to the truth that aligns with God's word. That's what you're looking for, right? Clanging cymbals and weird noises and strange things may not... Hit your ear in a pleasant way. 
So that song may not be helpful. But a beautiful music, really well done, and they're singing things that don't line up with Scripture, that's not going to be helpful either. So you're looking for something that has the beauty of music. Now, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, right? Praise and worship isn't going to be for everybody. Hymns aren't going to be for everybody. But what, does, what, what really strikes you, has, makes a powerful impact on your life, find within that genre songs that line up with Scripture and let that be the playlist of your life. There is uh, one resource I'll point out. It's called thebereantest.com. came across this and I thought it was really helpful. Thebereantest.com, if you want to write it down, T-H-E-V, Berean, B-E-R-E-A-N, test, T-E-S-T, dot com. It's got a whole bunch of songs on there. And if you click on the song, it'll actually give it a rating and say, we think this is really a biblical song. We think this is really not lining up with scripture. And it'll give you all the reasons why. It'll give you all the scripture. And you don't have to go by the rating. They're not infallible. But it gives you something to think about. And say, is this a song I want to be on my playlist of my life right now? Or is this a song that doesn't line up with Scripture even though it's beautiful and so I need to not let that inform my thinking and my prayers before God? So first thing, go to the Psalms, S-A-L-M-S, match up a psalm that, has, that speaks to your situation in life, read it, reread it, study it, memorize it. That's the first thing. Second thing, find good Christian music, whether it's hymns of the past or it's praise and worship songs today that have a melody that speaks to you, but it also is backed through the message of the song by Scripture. And the third and final thing is sing it. On Sunday morning when we gather, obey the Lord and sing. It doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't even have to be super loud. <laughs> but the command of God is to sing. It's good for your soul. It honors God. And guess what? It blesses those around me, around you. They say, well, you haven't heard my voice. It's like, no, no, no. When my kids come and sing to me, it's not perfect pitch. It's not the most beautiful voice I've ever heard. Does it still bless me? Absolutely. You singing and worshiping God next to someone who's struggling will bless them. So when you come on Sunday, whether you feel like it or not, make the choice, make the decision to worship God in song. Whether you like the song or not, make the decision to worship God in song. And I promise you, if you do that, the chances are great that you will walk out edified, encouraged, because you are a part of a worship service. God is not asking you to be an attendee of a worship service. God is calling you to be a participant of a worship service, which a part of that is singing to God. And you will be blessed if you do. And guess what? Those around you will be too. So where does that come from? Ephesians 5.19. I've quoted this more than once before, but it's worth repeating again. Ephesians 5.19 the Apostle Paul commands us, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. I love that verse because it says we're going to sing to one another 
and we're going to sing to God. And that's the power of congregational worship. Because you can do the first two, the Psalms, and make your own playlist. But there is something essential about the third, congregational worship on Sundays. Which is why we put it at the end today, because we want to give you a chance to respond to the message God has spoken to you in song. But before we get to that, there is a song for every, finish the sentence, for every... For every season, right? What if that season includes heartache and death and betrayal? That's going to happen. Last Sunday, we took the Lord's Supper together. And what we do at the end of every Lord's Supper is I reference a passage or a verse from Matthew 26, it's verse 30. And in Matthew 26, 30, we read that when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Now the we here is Jesus and his disciples. And it says when, indicating that something took place prior to that. What took place prior to that is Jesus telling his disciples, I'm going to die. And one of you is going to betray me. And just think about that. If there's ever a time not to sing, it's after news like this. Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me. And I'm not going to make it through it. And yet, plain as day, there it is. After Jesus takes what was then the Passover meal and he transforms it, or maybe you could say fulfills it, and gives us the Lord's Supper. After he tells them of his betrayal and pending death and he eats this meal with his disciples, they sing together. On a day and in a moment where it seems like singing does not fit. They sang. We don't know what they sang. We don't know the tune. We don't know the words. Most likely it was a psalm. But which one? We don't know. We just know that they sang. Why did they sing? We don't really know that either, but let me offer a couple ideas. I wonder if they sang, I wonder if Jesus sang. Here's a thought. I was thinking about this. You know Jesus was troubled. But I'm betting he was the song leader. I don't know for sure. I'm kind of guessing here. I don't know if they stood or if they sat. The mood had to be somber. But he leads them to sing. And I, and I wonder what's going through Jesus' mind. And, I, and the verse that came to my mind was Hebrews 12, 2. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, despising its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I wonder if, I wonder if that was on his mind when he sang. I wonder if he was thinking about the joy of being obedient to the Father even unto death. And so he sang. 
I wonder if he thought about the joy of connecting you and I to the Father, despite our sin. And he knew that on the cross, he was paying the penalty for our sins so that we could have a relationship with God our Father. And that's why he's saying, I don't know for sure, but I wonder if that was going through his mind. Why did the disciples sing? Just previously, you read that Jesus took the cup, Matthew 26, 27. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I will not drink it again. I will not drink from the fruit of this vine from now until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. I wonder if on the disciples' minds were the thought that they could truly be forgiven for everything. That what Jesus is doing for them is going to set them free. And not just for a little while, but that he is doing something that is cosmic and eternal. He's setting up a kingdom of which I get to be a part that makes the darkest day that I experience here in this earth survivable. Because I know it's just but a moment in the eternity of God that's being secured for me through what Jesus is doing. I don't know that they could have said all of that prior to the cross or they understood all of that, but they heard those words from Jesus. I'm creating a new covenant, a new agreement, a new relationship between me and you. It's going to set you free from sin. And one day we're going to party together in heaven. That's more or less what he says. Drink from the fruit of the vine. We're going to have another get together. We have another party one day in glory. When I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. In the midst of the darkness, here is this hope. And so they sing. So let us sing. Father God, we come to you now. Thank you for music. Thank you for the beauty of music. Thank you for incredible people who are able to take the truth that we find in your word and allow it to impact us in a powerful way when not only we hear it sung, but we sing it ourselves. Soften our hearts to respond to you now as we worship you in song. Help us to feel the connection that we have with you and with those around us as we sing together. And Father, even if all the emotions and all the feelings that we would like to be there aren't there, help us just to be obedient and sing anyways. Because we know ultimately, God, you are worthy of our worship. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.